0: Attention all personnel. Incoming podcast. This is MASH Matters.
1: MASH Matters, the podcast celebrating the greatest television show of all time. Hello, my name is Ryan Patrick, alongside my dear friend, Mr. Jeff Maxwell. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Ryan
0: Patrick. Isn't this exciting? This is episode 66. We have done 66 of these.
1: Yeah, and at least two of those were pretty good. Pretty good.
0: Yeah, those two, boy. Woo, doggies. (laughs) Yeah. So if you can find those two.
1: (laughs) Good uh, luck. We're not going to tell you which ones they are. (laughs) No. <laughs> you have to go find it yourself.
0: Well, let's do a little contest or something. You, you <laughs> win something if you find those two
1: episodes that are really good. As always, we want to thank everybody who sends us questions and comments. We also appreciate when people answer questions that we don't know the answers to. And we had several people contact us after, uh, I think, two episodes ago when we were talking about BJ's purple toe. This is when BJ had the ingrown toenail and Hawkeye awards him the purple toe and was putting some purple goop on his toe. The question was, what is that stuff? We have no idea. Well, we had three people here who reached out to us. All three of them really kind of gave us three different answers. So Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that we still know the answer, but I at least want to, you know, let people know what it could be. Mm -hmm. Caroline says, good afternoon from one of your UK patrons. Now I'm not medical, but I do work in biology and I would suggest the purple paste may be potassium manganate, Mm. also potassium permanganate. Mm. By the way, I'm not a medical guy or a biology guy. or a science guy so I'm gonna murder these names yeah go ahead she says it's a vivid purple color and it used to be used as a disinfectant to clean wounds Uh, it's still used in animals called purple spray where it dissolves in water Sean says, hey guys, I was listening to the latest podcast with my wife. You asked about the purple goop. She actually knew what it was right away. It's called Jensen Violet and it's an outdated Asian antifungal remedy. Mm. How about that? Jensen Violet. Mm. I, actually, I think I went to high school with Jensen Violet. <laughs> yeah. I met her in a bar.
0: no. <laughs> Somewhere and yeah. Violet. Jensen Violet. <laughs> Actually, I think I had a couple of and Violets. That's why. I was... I'll have two exactly. more and Violets
1: if you don't mind. <laughs> but uh, Sean says, we love MASH and of course MASH matters. Take care, guys. Roger, adios, over and out. And goombay. Thank you, Sean. And then Robert, he says, I bet the purple topical treatment on BJ's toe was topical gentian Violet. Uh, and then there's some big words. Go
0: ahead. I want to hear you do it. Go oh, ahead. Are
1: you really? Okay. No, Hexamethyl uh, How's that? Went out with her too, I think. (laughs) Robert says, I don't know if it was in use in the 1950s, but it was a popular treatment in the early 20th century and is making a comeback due to its antibacterial and antifungal properties. All right. So there you go. Three possibilities of what the purple goop was. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Sean. And thank you, Carol. I hope
0: that does it for his toe.
1: (laughs) Oh oh no, 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 no. 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 The podcast is forever. So we're going to be getting possible purple goop for years probably. (laughs) But we know we appreciate everybody again, but we don't have a definitive answer just yet of what it Mm -hmm. is, but there's three possibilities right
0: there. Well, our friend Michael says, Jeff and Ryan, thank you for your podcast. Keep up the good work. We will try. Mm -hmm. Just wanted to instill a little bit of trivia for you about the plungers that you see in many scenes of MASH. All the plungers you see on MASH are for sinks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There is a different design on plungers to be used for toilets. (laughs) Thank you for all the hard work you do. For the podcast. Well, by golly, we've gone from toes to plungers.
1: (laughs) Hmm. This is a follow-up to uh, the episode where we talked about plungers. Yes. Why is a medical unit that has latrines, why would they have plungers? Yes. Evidently, there are plungers specifically for sinks. Right now, I'm outing myself as uh, I'm not a science guy. And I'm not a plumbing guy. Let's Mm. see how many other things I can out myself (laughs) as not being during this podcast.
0: Well, if you have two of those plungers, if you have one for the sink and one for the toilet, it's very important not to mix them up (laughs) because otherwise it can really get uncomfortable.
1: Bob says, hey, guys, what does Jeff, the actor, think of Igor, the character? Does he simply accept him as is or wish he were different, (laughs) i.e. smarter, higher or lower rank, taller, etc.? Does he think of the character like a little brother, a cousin or a friend? Always thought they missed the boat and should have had more Igor. He says also, what actually happens in an acting class? Did and do they work? Thank you, Bob. It's none of your
0: business. Okay. (laughs) All
1: right. Moving on. Moving on. (laughs) Uh,
0: Gosh, those are a a whole bunch of interesting questions. Mm -hmm. What does Jeff, the actor, think of Igor the character? You know, I loved Igor the character because he let me have a job and I got paid and a lot of fun all day long.
2: (laughs) Mm-hmm.
0: yeah so i loved the character for that reason and i loved what he did and i loved being there D- Does does he think of a character like a little brother cousin or friend not really no i just thought of it as a character and i was sort of a trained guy and knew what to do and i was going in there and trying to act my way through those uh days of uh mash probably okay i'll i'll say this yes a, a good friend igor was a good friend he was a good pal uh, so there you go um and I do agree they did miss the boat and should have had much more eager, Igor.
1: Yeah. He also asked, does he simply accept him as is or did you wish that there was anything different about Igor? Uh,
0: uh, <laughs> uh, if you I, had a magic I, wand yeah, and could make
1: I, something different about Igor, would would you have done that?
0: Well, I think so. Uh, I would have wished that he wasn't quite so incredibly handsome because it was (laughs) it was it was stressful to be that good looking and that handsome on the show because so many people were on me all the time. Yeah, I mean, not literally on me, but you know, coming over to wanted to meet me. So uh, right. Yeah. And he uh, yes, asked about uh, what actually happens in acting class. Did, do they work? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Bob, you watched me on MASH. I went to acting class. You tell me. <laughs>
2: Did it work? Did it work?
0: <laughs> I'll let you answer that, Bob.
1: That's good. Yeah, and
0: uh, our, our good friend, Mike, uh, hey, Jeff and Ryan, I finally gotten caught up on the podcast. Fantastic interviews with Jamie Farr and Alan Alda. You guys rock. Well, thank you. They, they rocked pretty well, too. Mm-hmm. Ryan, mm. I want to bring up something that you had commented on regarding the two-parter where Radar leaves. You seem to have had a problem with the way Gary played it as angry. Yeah. I understand what you mean, but as actors, uh, oh, we're back to actors. What's going on here? <laughs> actors are everywhere today. We get into the heads of our characters. I know you and Jeff both understand this. I offered this point of view. Radar might have actually been angry that Uncle Ed died and left his mother to have to run the farm. To someone who hasn't lost someone close, it may be hard to understand being angry with a person who has passed. And I'm not saying that you haven't had this sad experience, Ryan. I have no idea. Radar had become a very important part of the 4077, and now he was forced to leave the life he had been comfortable with. Consider how angry he was that Klinger couldn't figure out how to get a backup generator. Not saying this is what Gary Berghoff had in mind, but I thought I would offer a different point of view. Well, there you go.
1: Yeah. And it's a choice. I mean, and and I appreciate that, Mike. Thank you for your thoughts on that, because it's it's something that I hadn't considered as the motivation for his anger. It just seems so out of character for Radar. But, you know, maybe he's right. He's in a situation where he's been there for a long time, and now he has a crisis at home when he's thousands of miles away from home. Maybe that did affect him in a certain way. I'm sure it would affect me in a certain way if I were put in that situation, you know. And, and it was nice to talk to uh, Ken Levine and, and David Isaacs about this particular episode in that, you know, that is not how they wrote the character they did not see the character as angry so that really was entirely a choice of gary's and i would also say that the director of that episode also has some input on that as well it was just a choice and it it, to me it still stands out as an odd choice but it's it certainly stood out it certainly made the character a little more dynamic and a little different you saw a different side of radar I'm not saying that that was bad. I'm just saying that it just didn't seem like the radar that we all knew and loved. Yeah. But at that point in the war, maybe he's no longer the radar that we grew to love. I think he was angry that his hair was curly. <laughs> I think that was what we're doing. And that he no longer looked like he yeah. was an 18-year-old. 18, 18, yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, we actually have to reach out to Gary and see about this. Why don't we do that? Let's put that on the, uh, the uh, where you put those things. and. Uh, <laughs> and and see if we can't get a definitive answer like the the purple goop we'll go for definitiveness
1: if he happens to know what the purple goop is too that would be a that would be a plus Uh, what a great day we're gonna have (laughs) that would be fantastic two for one yeah that's great cameron says hi ryan and jeff or is it jeff and ryan Let's face it, Costello and Abbott doesn't have the same ring to it, you know? (laughs) Thank you for taking the time to read this. I hope some of it is worthy of being read on the podcast. Well, Cameron, I think you have your answer. I don't remember the first time I saw MASH, just that it was a later episode when Charles tormenting Hawkeye and BJ for something. I didn't see it for a long time afterwards, and when I started watching it from the beginning, I thought Frank and Winchester were the same person. That's how young I was. Referring to growing up with it, I definitely feel like it is apt. It was on five days a week, so it aged faster than I did, but the first three seasons with was like a playful childhood with a father who doesn't quite know what he's doing. Then Henry dies and then friend moves away and the other adventures of a new father figure and a friend come along as you enter your puberty, but your older brother is still a pain in the ass. Then he leaves for the next phase of his life and you enter maturity. You meet someone who you struggle to get along with, but realize that adults need to work together. And through that, you come to appreciate even those who may annoy you. Wow. wow. That was something.
0: <laughs> Read that again. Okay. No, nope, just- <laughs> no, nope,
1: Just rewind it and listen to it again. I just loved the whole thing seeing mash really maturing with the arrival of charles was spectacular it really came into its own at that point for me thanks for adding to my appreciation of one tv show i can never not love even if i'm sitting through an episode i don't like much though they are few and far between My question. My favorite episode from the first three seasons was season two's George. As a gay man myself, it resonated with me as I was getting older and really struck me how something made eight years before I was born handled something so close to my heart and soul. What sticks in my mind every time I watch it, though, was the moment that George comes out to Hawkeye.
0: Two guys have got beat up in my outfit. One colored and uh, one homosexual. So you're a Negro. Who'd have guessed Well, we went out last week and got drunk on leave. And I talked more than I should have about something that happened a couple years ago. And you want to go back to that outfit? You're going to get your purple heart all black and blue. It's important to me that I finish my tour of duty. Now more than ever.
1: A very powerful moment. But I can't help but notice that actor Richard Eli looks directly at the camera in the moment before he says, And one homosexual. I can't work out if it was George petrified he was going to out himself to someone he'd misjudged, or Richard petrified that he was about to commit career suicide. I don't know if you were there, Jeff, but do you know if Mr. Eli was in any way reticent about this? I thought it would have been a great opportunity to show some conflict between Frank and Margaret, though. Her scolding Frank for his homophobia would have made for an interesting juxtaposition. Uh, anyway, I love the podcast. Keep up the great work. And thanks for reading. Well, thank you, Cameron. Uh, a lot of great stuff there. So episode, the episode George is uh, an episode that is very, it was kind of groundbreaking in a way that it's not the first time that homosexuality was addressed uh, on on a uh, primetime television series, but it was different in a way for that era because a lot of times, sadly, homosexuality was more of the butt of a joke during that era. And this particular episode, uh, it was dealt with with more compassion. Mm-hmm. Larry Gelbart has also referenced that he was on the old Alt uh, MASH news group and he was talking about this episode. And he said that, again, that this wasn't the first uh, show to deal with this topic, but he says it was really, maybe the first television series on network television to address what he referred to as gay bashing and uh, that, that could be true that that was a topic that really wasn't addressed in primetime television at the time mm-hmm. whether or not uh richard eli rick eli who was the actor who played george what his motivation was to look directly at the camera we don't know i mean uh, Sadly, Mr. Eli passed away in 2019, so we could never ask him. He himself, as an actor, after 1982, he kind of stepped away from acting and didn't do much acting at all. But he was very active between 1969 and 1982. He was a very private man. There's not a lot out there about Rick Eli. But for the research that I've been able to find, there is a a, a Remembering Rick Eli Facebook page, and I'll put the link in the show notes. He He was married twice. To, to two different women. So I don't know if this was a personal choice of his or if there was more to it, playing a, a gay character on, on the series. I don't know. We don't know why he looks directly at the camera. It could have just been a choice, an acting choice. It could have been an unconscious choice. Maybe he didn't realize that he was looking at the camera at that moment. Maybe it was a director's choice to ask him to do it. We really don't know. Unless, Jeff, unless you have some insight, Jeff, that that I'm not aware of.
0: I have no personal insight. I wasn't there and I don't really know. All I can say is that if an actor suddenly looks directly at the camera to make a statement, I think everybody knows it. Mm-hmm. The director of photography and the director and everybody who's watching those, because a lot of people are watching the scenes, it would be recognized immediately. And if it wasn't supposed to be there, it would, it would be gone. They'd do it again or whatever. Uh, so... It may have been an experiment. I, I don't know. I haven't seen the show in 100 million years, that particular episode, so I don't know. But I don't think it was anybody, anybody was afraid of committing a career suicide in any way. I think it was, it may have been an artistic choice by the actor and by the director and by everybody watching it. Or it was an accident. I don't know. <laughs> they, maybe they were drinking that day. I, I, who knows? <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Good question, though. It's It's got me going. I want to go see that. I want to go review that
1: episode. Just um, real curious. And that's a great scene. That's a great scene, too, between Richard Eli and Alan Alda. Just a really, really well done scene. Mm-hmm. This topic kind of carries over into our next question, Jeff.
0: And this next question is from Reese. Reese says, hello there. My name is Reese. Well, I already said that, Reese, so you didn't have to say that. <laughs> and my main purpose in writing this is to really state how much MASH means to me. When I was younger, I used to watch it on TV, whenever it played on me TV with my grandpa. I have very fond memories of those times, and it's only been recently that I went back and watched it. It's such a great comfort to me. I know many others feel the same way as I do, and honestly, I think it's amazing that after all these years, it is still so popular. I would also like to know your thoughts on some of us thinking that certain characters are gay. I'm not sure if anyone has asked this before. As someone who is bisexual, I definitely see Hawkeye as such. Well, that's interesting. There's something about him that I relate to deeply, and it's not just his personality. I can really see some of myself in him. I'm very thankful that MASH got to be a part of my life and essentially shaped me as a person. It will alongside Star Trek. <laughs> Always have a special place in my heart. Cool. Well, that's interesting. Well, live long, prosper, and don't eat the green meat. That's what mine <laughs> Uh Well, that's really nice, Reese. Thank you. Those are those are wonderful thoughts, and I'm so glad you got to, the opportunity to watch the show with your grandpa. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never that has never come up uh, in the time since I've been associated with Mash saying that. Perhaps Hawkeye possibly had some bisexuality to him. I don't know.
1: I think what I really like about this message from Reese is it speaks to how MASH is something for everyone. I mean, you can watch MASH and you can see these characters and you can say, you know, I fit this mold and I see myself in that character. I see some of the traits that I exhibit in this character. So you can make these characters even more personal than they already are because you see certain things that other people may not see. You might see some certain traits. You may see some quirks. You may see something special in these characters that make you think this person, this character is part of my tribe. It's part of my life. It's part of my community. It's kind of cool that you can take these characters that on the surface aren't heterosexual, homosexual, bisexual, whatever, you look at these characters on the surface and you can find things within them that you connect to on a deeper level. And I'm done rambling.
0: (laughs) No, that was great. No, that was beautiful. That was terrific. Uh, And, and, you know, with reference to Hawkeye, I think it's also a kind of a tribute to Alan Alda who was playing a character with so much depth and giving you so many opportunities to see so much of his humanity and thereby allowing your humanity to identify with what you were watching. But I don't think you would have gotten that from the guys in My Mother the Car. I just don't. (laughs) But Alan Alda brought so much of a human being to that character and to those 25 minutes every week that there was room for you to see whatever it is that you felt you saw. Mm-hmm. And it's all there because it's all there in him as a human being. And he brought that there and he was very present and he brought it all every single time that he was on that screen. So yeah, you certainly it would certainly be easy to identify with things that resonate with you because of his ability as an actor.
1: Well said, well said. All right, this is from Brianna. Brianna says, Jeff and Ryan, it doesn't seem like enough and I wish there was a better way to say this, but thank you from the bottom of my heart for this fantastic podcast. Oh, well, thank you. It's amazing that this show continues to impact so many people 40 plus years after it aired. I only discovered it during quarantine, but it's brought an incredible amount of joy, laughter, and light in my life. Short story, I am in the army and recently had to drive across the country to my new duty station. Discovering your podcast came at the best moment and made those innumerable hours bearable. I laughed out loud, I was moved to tears, and I was overcome by how magical the MASH fandom is. I will say that being in the Army offers me a unique perspective on MASH, and it's amazing that even today I find myself identifying with the characters, Army-centric jokes, and storylines. I don't really have any insightful or intelligent questions. I would just like to know from Ryan, who is your favorite character? And from Jeff, do you have a favorite moment or interaction with another MASH actor? Well, I think that about wraps it up. One final comment, if you'll indulge me. How special that today, MASH continues to connect people from across the country, from different walks of life, and from various backgrounds. The show transcends time, it inspires and unites. It moves us and asks us to be better. There is truly no other show like it and no other show that has impacted me in such a way. Wow. Well, it, Brianna. I wish I would have just read that instead of what I said earlier about the show. (laughs) She said it so much better than I said it. And she said it in a fraction of the time that I said it.
0: Well, cut out all that
1: other junk. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Brianna. And thank you for your service. Now this, this, I will say this letter did come in a while back and we just haven't gotten to it yet along with many other letters that we've received, but we're getting to them. We're getting to them. So Brianna, we've answered my question of who my favorite character is uh, a couple of times since then. But just to reiterate, Charles Emerson Winchester III is my favorite character on MASH. Jeff, she wonders if you have any favorite moments or particular interactions with any of the other MASH actors.
0: You know, this is a question I try and answer this and I've tried to say, oh, well, my favorite moment, my favorite character is, you know, I really can't. Yeah, I was there for nine years and I loved every single solitary moment and second that of those nine years that I was there. And I love every interaction with every actor and every situation that I was part of. So it's hard for me to say, yeah, there were fun moments like the when Alan Alda goes crazy over the, the liver or fish. Liver or fish. Certainly, that's kind of a, a moment that stuck in my head. But I wouldn't say that's a favorite, you know, over any other moment that I had. Mm-hmm. All the actors were such a pleasure to work with and. I was uh, very fortunate to be there and uh, kiss the ground every, every time they said cut. <laughs> I would fall down behind the steam table and kiss the ground. <laughs> but so, no, I don't have a favorite moment, but I, I think every moment you saw me on the screen was my favorite moment. That's a good
1: answer. That's a good answer. Thank you. All right, let's go to the phones. Here is a, a voicemail from Jonathan. Hey, Jeff and Ryan.
2: This is Jonathan Fox from Plymouth, Massachusetts. So, I was watching uh, back to back episodes in syndication tonight, and I was noticing the litany of cameo appearances and guest stars that happened in the two episodes. And I think the two episodes I were watching, one of them had both Andrew Clay, who would, of course, later be known as Andrew Dice Clay, uh, and also had George Wendt, who later went on, obviously, to, to play Norm in Cheers as a cameo appearances. And then the second episode featured Jeffrey Tambor, who later went on to a lot of different things, but was on Arrested Development, among other things, as a a public relations major who was looking to send a Korean soldier to the US as a reward for landing a Soviet plane. And it got me to thinking, for you, Ryan, what were your favorite cameos of people who then later went on to bigger and better things in their careers? And then Jeff, for you, do you have any particular recollections of guest stars or cameos of people that, that you encountered on the set that you knew at that point would go on to bigger and better things or people that you just had memorable interactions with? Thanks for taking the time, and thanks for a great podcast. It's it's made me connect with MASH in ways that I really never thought was possible, and if nothing else has proven to my wife that I'm not the only one that's completely obsessed with this show. So (laughs) thanks so much. And uh, to both of you, here's looking up your old address.
1: This is a question that we've also received from uh, John. John wanted to know if there were any particular uh, supporting uh, players, cameo, guest stars that we really enjoyed. Uh, he talked about his personal favorites being Gene Evans, who played Clayton Kibby in Blood and Guts, and Cyril O'Reilly, who was in A Holy Mess, and Linda Kelsey in The Nurses. Also, Taylor, she also uh, wrote in and asked this same question. There were so many special guest stars, some of them who were already famous and others who were about to become famous. People like Ron Howard and Patrick Swayze and John Ritter, James Cromwell, Pat Morita, Leslie Nielsen. Uh, you also have like Terry Garr, Shelley Long. These were all people who made guest appearances on MASH. Some of my favorites. And I went back and I started thinking about who were some of the guest stars on the show. And then I narrowed it down even further because there were some guest stars who made multiple appearances on the show. Pat Morita and Richard Lee Sung and Dick O'Neill, Michael O'Keefe, Soon Tech all these people who just kept coming back sometimes as different characters, but the actors were returning. So I kind of narrowed it down in my mind. Who are some of my favorite one show guest stars who were on one episode and one episode only. And I have my top five. And now I, I I spent an afternoon going through all of these. And so I know as soon as we publish this episode, I'm going to remember somebody that should have been in this top five. But my top five single shot guest stars on MASH at number five, Pat Hingle, Mm-hmm-hmm. who was uh, Colonel Daniel Webster, Tucker and April fools. My goodness, what a menacing presence he was <laughs> in that episode.
0: Yeah, he, was. he was
1: amazing. He was, What a great actor he was. Blythe Danner mm. showing up on Mash was a delight playing Carly Breslin in The More I See You. She was amazing. I also really enjoyed Alex Karras uh, as Lyle Wesson in Springtime. He, of course, was uh, you know a big football star and then gained notoriety in Blazing Saddles and then later appeared on Webster. But to see him, you know, still uh, in his early days of acting on Mash was was a real treat. Growing up, I had a mad crush on Susan Saint James, and so. <laughs> When she shows up as Ag Yoshea in War Correspondent, that did it for me. (laughs) You put Susan St. James in anything and I'm going to watch. (laughs) it. But my favorite one time guest appearance on MASH is an actor who I think is one of the most underrated actors in Hollywood. He was he, he has since passed Edward Herman. Mm-hmm. was such an amazing actor. And he shows up in one episode, Heal Thyself, as Captain Steven Newsom. And during that episode, he blends in with Hawkeye and BJ. He fits in with the gang. And then all of a sudden, something happens. Something in his mind shifts. And we see a significant change in Captain Newsom.
0: The blood won't come off. No matter what I do, it just stays there. See what I mean? Look at that. Never gonna go away. No matter how hard I scrub or
1: how much I wash, it's gonna stay there. That appearance on MASH has always, always stood out to me. It's always rocked me. Every time I watch that, I'm just amazed by his performance. And anytime I watched him in anything, he just owned the screen. And I think that Edward Herman, he's one of those actors that he was in everything, but he was never a name that everybody knew. He was never a marquee name in Hollywood, which is a shame because he was an amazing actor. So Edward Herman is my number one pick for all the guest actors that were on MASH. Great pick. Yeah, he was terrific. Oh yeah. And
0: you mentioned some wonderful people. I have to, I have to mm-hmm. share your opinions with Blythe Danner. I watched uh, Alan Alda and Blythe Danner do that scene in in her tent or his, somebody's tent, mm. and I was I was happening to be standing there, and they're doing it in a, in the, a little set thing that's about the size of a small bathroom, <laughs> and they're standing there, and these two people did this drop dead incredible scene together that I, that my mouth dropped open. I was standing there going, "Wow, are they good? Yeah. Wow, am I lucky that I saw this in person and watched them do that?" And boy was she was just wonderful wasn't she mm-hmm. I, I I thought she was incredible What
1: I love about that episode is we learned so much about Hawkeye yeah. that we never knew never so knew. much about him and his past and who he was and what he was like in a relationship and, and and you know to see how he reacted to somebody that he not just a a fling or somebody he was interested in but somebody he truly loved yeah. That was a well-written episode and a well-acted episode and that to to put somebody of a uh, caliber of Blythe Danner in the mix is, yes. I mean, wow. Boy, she turned it up to 11. She was incredible. And
0: talk about, you know, uh, moments together with actors. Boy, were there moments. They were just exploding mm. in, in between them. It was just yeah. phenomenal. I, I've never forgotten that that scene. And yeah, I loved Alex Karras. Of course, I had a little cute scene with Alex Karras. Yes. When he looms <laughs> over me.
1: <laughs> Two of everything Two, uh, now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and he was a big guy, and it was yeah not it wasn't difficult to uh, respond like I did with him. <laughs> and uh, you mentioned James Cromwell too. I you know mm-hmm. he was phenomenal. Not only did he come back and do a part on MASH, but did we talk about this? He was one of the uh, BJ possibilities, and he actually yes. did a screen test. And I I saw him do this test uh, along with everybody else, and he was wonderful. He was really wonderful and that's the first time I went wow this is a this guy can really act this guy's good yeah and of course he wasn't good as good as Mike Farrell come on let's say that <laughs> uh, Wow was yeah. he did he give a wonderful performance of that character and in, in, in his own interpretation my favorite however, and she was there a couple of times, I have to say my favorite of all time was. Um, Rita Wilson.
1: (laughs) Yes. We had our
0: little dance together and uh, I fell madly in love with her. (laughs) Mm. And uh, I was, I went back to my dressing room or something and I came back because I thought I was going to say, Hey, uh, would you like to go out and have a cup of coffee? But she'd gone home already on that day. And I was very disappointed. (laughs) So (laughs) there you go. Who knows? You know, Tom Hanks, you're a lucky man that I had to go to the bathroom or something because otherwise your life would have been a lot different. Yeah. Okay. Mike, uh, Mike has said, Hey, hello, Jeff and Ryan. I love the podcast, but I discovered it several months ago and I'm working my way backwards listening to all of them. All right. Well, don't fall over anything.
1: Yeah. Sounds dangerous.
0: (laughs) My wife and I had never seen a complete episode of the show until last year. We always considered it a dad show. (laughs) So our regular night ritual was to watch it on MeTV until we saw every episode. We were familiar with all the characters, but didn't know much else about the show. My wife asked me why they changed from Colonel Blake to Colonel Potter. I told her he must have gone home. Imagine our surprise when Radar walked in and said, it spun in, there were no survivors. I think we were as shocked as everyone who saw it when it originally aired in 1975. We were saddened, but I commented it was probably one of the biggest twist endings in television history. Thanks again for the great podcast.
1: So, uh, David, our next question also ties into this. He says, uh, I was rewatching Abyssinia Henry and started thinking about the historical significance of that episode. The final scene with Radar in the OR is without question one of the most significant moments in all of television history. Jeff, you were there and witnessed all that happened when it was announced that Henry would not make it home. Just wondering if you could do an episode on what it was like and what really occurred. There's been a lot of talk and conflicting information about how it all went down and how McLean Stevenson reacted. I'm sure it would make a fascinating podcast. I love Larry Lindell's reaction when he got the pages for the scene. Effing brilliant. <laughs> Still loving the podcast. Thank you, David. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, Jeff, you were there. You were you were in that scene uh, and I think we have talked about this in, in brief and we're not going to do obviously an entire episode of this because we're bringing this up at the end of this episode. So you have this significant scene and you you have somebody like Mike who is just now seeing it for the very first time with fresh eyes, mm-hmm. which again, I'm very envious of people who are watching mash right now with fresh eyes and seeing it in order, being able to binge it and they're seeing, oh my gosh. Uh, and yeah. And if you are one of these people who have not made it to the end of a season three yet, sorry to spoil it, but yeah, the, the Henry revelation is significant. And so Jeff, you were there. Did you have any idea at the time when you were watching that scene unfold, how significant that moment was?
0: Uh, You know, I didn't, but, uh, but I was kind of an idiot. So
1: (laughs) it's, it's very
0: possible. That's why I didn't, you know, I knew, you know, there was a very different feeling in the room, than any other scene or any other moment that I had experienced with MASH. So when that last scene was done, and and there was a, you know, the show had ended uh, in terms of the, they shot the last scene, we thought, mm-hmm. and there was a party to go to right after the, you know, the last shot. We expected to go to, I think it was a Christmas party, but I'm not sure, but it was the end of- the, It was the end of the season. It it was, so it was, yeah, yeah. The rat
1: party, yeah. It
0: was the end of the season party, and I couldn't wait to go change my clothes and get back there and start, you know, having a couple of cocktails <laughs> and some food. So it was going to be very exciting, and we were all looking forward to it, everybody. And then this thing happened, and the the last shot, and then they said, no, there's... Way. It got real quiet. Everybody got real quiet. And the director said, no, oh, there's one last, one last shot. And there's so people going, oh, one last shot? What? And it got, uh, it got deadly serious. And so then they started the scene. And yes, of course, when he came in and said what he said, it was a big shock. And uh, it was a very, very dramatic moment for everybody there. And, and there were some people just watching and I understand that McLean Stevenson was watching as well, and he did not know until he saw it. And uh, he left and was gone. So he left that night and never came back.
1: Obviously, he had made the decision to leave the series. It wasn't like he, yes. in that moment, decided not to come back. He was, he was gone.
0: And there were, there were theories that he was very bitter because he felt that that was a, you know, they did it on purpose because he made the decision to leave the show. And so that there was, uh, you know, some antagonism there, and we're going to say, okay, you're going to leave, you leave the show, okay, you're dead. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Did that really happen? I have no idea. The poor people who really created that moment are not with us any longer, so we can't really get that definitive answer. Um, Was there some resentment that he left? Yes, I'm sure there was. Was that the reason that they decided to do what they did? Who knows? I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's one of the mysteries of MASH. We'll all have to keep asking for years to
1: come. Yeah. Well, and Gene Reynolds and Larry Gelbart have also gone on record to say that the reason they did it, and again, we will never really know what the real reason was, if there was any anger directed towards McLean and his decision to leave. The, the reason they say, at least in the public, the reason they wanted to do that is to show that war is war. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of people who were a part of the Korean conflict, and not just that, but also Vietnam and World War II, I mean, all every war, who were good people and they just never made it home. Right. So, you know, for the most part, everybody who had not survived the series were nameless soldiers that we didn't really know and love. We didn't get a chance to really connect with these people. Mm -hmm. Well, here you go. You have three seasons where you're connecting on a deep level with somebody who makes you laugh and you welcome him to your home every week. And then all of a sudden that character is gone and not just gone, but Gone. Mm -hmm. Gone. (laughs) You know, that's what war was. And there's not a lot you could do to change that.
0: I think that's absolutely the uh, reason they did it. I also think that the opportunity was there based on the personal feelings of some of the people involved. Mm -hmm. So I think they said, hmm, this is terrible. We have certain feelings about what just happened with this actor who decided to leave the show. Boy, what a wonderful opportunity we have to make a very, very, very serious point. And I think they kind
1: of jumped at it. (laughs) Kind of married those two thoughts. Yeah. They married those two thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting.
0: All right. Will from Brisbane, Australia. That's the place for all those weird spiders. (laughs) (laughs) Um, MASH has always been a huge part of my life. I used to watch with my dad, who was a Korean War veteran. It was one show we watched all the time and enjoyed together. Dad passed last month, uh, so I've just been watching the show again. I usually watch it once a year or so from start to finish. Jeff, I've always enjoyed Igor. Igor. You can make someone laugh with a look or an action, and this past month, it's what I really needed. Hmm. Uh, that brings tears to my eyes. Uh, well, thank you very much. That is a very kind thing that you said, and I'm very, very glad that what they paid me for, I was able to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but that was that's. Uh, I did that from my heart, and so I'm glad it landed, and I'm glad I I made you laugh, and I'm glad it helped
1: you. Through a difficult period, certainly. And I'm sorry for your loss. Very sorry for your loss. Thank you, Will, for that. and, And, you know, we appreciate everybody who writes in and says, MASH has gotten me through some hard times. This podcast is helping me get through some hard times. We had a lot of new listeners come on board during the pandemic because a lot of people wanted to revisit shows that were very comfortable to them. And so a lot of people rediscovered MASH during that time, which led them then to our podcast. And if MASH and our podcast has helped you through some difficult times, that means a lot to us when we hear those stories. So Will and everybody uh, who has sent us messages uh, similar to Will's, we read them and we truly do appreciate the kind words that you share with us. So thank you for that.
0: Yeah. Okay, Will. So here's Igor
1: looking at you. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Start laughing.
1: Uh, we also appreciate uh, our Patreon VIPs who help keep this podcast going. Go to mashmatters.com support and you can become a Mash Matter VIP for as little as $3 a month. So we want to salute our VIPs.
0: I am standing at attention with a salute and we start with Private Kelly Olivia.
1: Private Ingen, okay, so here's the deal.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> what I do is when we get a Patreon right. VIP who signs up yeah. and I don't know how to pronounce their name, I will reply to them and say, how do you pronounce your name? Because I want to make sure that we, you know, get it correct. Of course. Ingen here uh, is from Norway. Mm-hmm. Ingen Folden. She told me how to pronounce those. But when it comes to her last name, she says, good luck. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> Whatever comes out of your mouth will work. So, right. Private Ingen Folden Gruntadjern.
0: Aha! That's the purple stuff on the guy's toe. (laughs) There you go. It's from Norway.
1: Uh, I'm so sorry, Ingrid. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Thank you for your support.
0: Though. That's cool. Well, it, beautiful name, though. Beautiful yes. Beautiful name. Yes. If we could pronounce it, I'm sure it would be a beautiful name. <laughs> and Private Walter.
1: So we're going to pause here, too, because uh, <laughs> when Walter uh, signed up for, to be a VIP, yeah. uh, all he said was Walter. So I replied back saying, hey, uh, what's your last name? Uh, you know, do you want us to say your last name? And uh, I have not heard back from Walter yet. So for right now, uh, Private Walter is what we're going to say.
0: Private Walter Grinjeden. <laughs>
1: Maybe they're brothers and sisters or something. Well, I would like to think that it's Walter O'Reilly. Aha!
0: There we go. Corporal Kevin Nye. And Captain Jonathan Watson. Captain
1: Julie Maxwell Allen. Great name, Julie. And Captain Matt McDonald. And Major David Mann. David has been a longtime listener of MASH Matters. And we appreciate you becoming a major with Patreon. Again, you can sign up at mashmatters.com slash support. Thank you to our VIPs. We really do appreciate
0: it. We have a wonderful audience here. (laughs) A live audience.
1: (laughs)
2: They're
0: just great. Thank you, everybody. Please, sit
1: down. Sit down. It's embarrassing. (laughs) Please. Well, that does it for another episode of MASH Matters. What? It's no, We don't have any more stuff? Oh, we have lots more stuff. Oh, okay. But we don't have enough time to get to all the stuff that we have. Uh, if you would like to send us more stuff, you can do that. MASHMATTERSPODCAST at gmail.com. You can also call and leave a voicemail, 513-436-4077. Or you can just come over to the house. Until next time, here's looking up your old address.